Loosen up all you knuckleheads. This is Skull Funk Radio with your host, Food One. Get ready to have fun. Thank you. 
I want to have you filled in with the info on the character you care about. Wrongs and info, take your girl's ass, wear it out. You couldn't get as creative as this. When's the last time you seen a total package? Here's where the heat is, hotter than the speed is. The image of the palm tree beaches with the key to the cuddle and fresh peaches. Each hit raw makes encompasses his life. Forever type, feeling appealing like honey's dealing and revealing a pearl. Going at ya, live from Rio de Janeiro with the master. In my ear, sipping on a Guinness, I appear in articles, staying the same plus methodical, playing the game like a harp, eating pop tarts, Mr. Tropical, top chart position, pay admission to my seminar star, I know you're wishing, ain't nobody hold me for what I'm gonna get, I told you I'm colder, and when the pressure is on me, I ain't gonna sweat, smell the folks, can the thing bring me down now, thing bring me down, everybody gather round now, gather round, watch wrong, put it down now, Soak my brain in and MC's MC, but let me do some explaining. This is just a tangent, fantasy fun shit. Taking that lady officer on the carnival fun shit. Ocean breeze while I write, sitting on white sand. Later put it down at the mic stand like that, Anna. And Anna likes it when I grab her. Raw mocha, only contour in the batter. I never had a run up, but to start a revolt. Rappers against rap music. I smoke pulse, make fat music. Tighter than lock nuts on both Keep jewels in my belt, check the hand you dealt. Not an ace, snag you out the game. Ask me what part is this? I grab something. Whose heart is this? Let's ten good reasons why I shouldn't come up. It's feasible. Any girl is feasible. So what? Wrong con man on land or in the air. Where are now? Are now? It's like you don't even care. But you should put your ear to this bump. Make a tape deck explode. Vibrate your damn trunk. Can nobody hold me from what I'm gonna get? I told you I'm colder. And when the pressure is on me, I ain't gonna sweat. Smell the folk in the
Volume 4, Skull Funk Radio. I am your host, Food One, a.k.a. the Midwest Scavenger, the Midwest Traveler. <laughs> I'm here in St. Louis recording this episode with my little brother, the legendary DJ Moff. And uh, we're just so doing something different for this episode. And, dude... Bro, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. And welcome to, we're the beautiful Suburban Pro Studios on South Jefferson. It's incredible. In St. Louis City. Shouts out to Matt Sawicki. Matt. And, and the whole crew, man. Thanks for letting us uh, get down in the podcast room. Matt, this is serious. This is professional. They have a <laughs> recording studio and a silkscreen press downstairs. Right. And it's this is the way you do it, dude. You do your own shit. It's become a one-stop shop in St. Louis for, I mean, anyone that's recording hip-hop records here, this is where they're doing yeah. everything. <laughs> and, and then and if you want to get your merch done in the basement, you can do that, too. Right. It's awesome, dude. <laughs> and uh, just to get this out of the way real quick, uh, the first set we just heard, the expansions, Pocket 5, uh, Mocha Only with Live from Rio with those sick Dennis Coffee That's samples. the Ron Contour album. That's a great record, yeah. dude. And the samples are from um, the Black Belt Jones soundtrack, right. which yeah, is yeah. insane. Oh, and classic. then the Slits, I heard it through the grapevine. One of my definitive favorite covers ever. I, I think their version, it's bold to say this, almost as good as the original. And yeah. when we were walking up the stairs... There's a huge picture, poster of Kenny fucking Powers. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember this, dude, but in, yeah. like, season two, when Kenny's coming back to, like, get Rachel after he's been in Mexico, I think, yeah. he parks the Lambo and calls her voicemail on the payphone. And, and it's a close-up on his face with the sunglasses in his mouth. And he's like, April. I'm coming for you. And he hangs up the phone and he walks away in slow motion and the slits <laughs> heard it through the grapevine plays. Oh man. See, and and Jeff Shagawat was visiting me in LA and I showed him that episode and he was just like, dude, what the fuck is this? This is fucking brilliant. Man, that's that's one of my dreams is the score an HBO show. Yeah. 
Because goddamn, they pick some great stuff. It'd be the shit. And that track in particular is funny because when we used to do the night at Upstairs Lounge here in St. Louis, which you've DJed with me, mm-hmm. you brought your uh, some crates of vinyl with you. And used to play with our homie Christian Chellis, a.k.a. Creme Brulee. Creme Brulee. Creme Brulee would drop that <laughs> Slits cover all the fucking time. Okay, he yeah. He loved that joint. It's, 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 it's great. Well, it sounds, it's so <clears throat> bass heavy and like mm-hmm. ragamuffin reggae style that on a great system, it sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, and also, man, I mean, just for my fans, listeners, or whatever that don't know, like, DJ Moff, Dan, is my younger brother. There's 10 years between us. The very quick origin story is <laughs> you grew up hanging out in my room with comic books, me playing music, oh, yeah. Public Enemy, and and funk and punk or whatever. tapes and shit, yeah. And then I went off to art school and basically started sending you mixtape cassettes of different music right like funk hip-hop with personalized album artwork you you would make gatefold like album track list yeah. artwork and i'm like man i put those up online and some of your fans have hit me up like how much for that man i need that oh like, shit I'm, like, Dude, I'm not selling that that's you know oh, that's cool that, that, that like totally influenced me coming up man was all gym selections and shit but do when you were sending me that stuff i would you know because i was just uh I was only young when, when you first started sending them, but a couple years in, because you sent me those for your like entire college career. Yeah, and uh, I started working at Best Buy, and I would start saving my money up, and I would literally take your cassette mixes and go find each record that those were from, and buy the album that was attached. to That's it. what I was gonna say. Yeah, like you turned that into the beginning of collecting vinyl, and then when did you get turntables? I got my first set of turntables when I was shit, man. I was probably a sophomore, beginning of like junior high or, mm-hmm. ju- or junior in high school, right? Uh, so I was sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, man. So then, okay, so you got turntables. You set up your your whole rig and everything in our mom and dad's <laughs> laundry room <laughs> right. in our basement in the yeah. suburbs, and. Yeah. Would practice, practice, practice. Every time I would come in to visit from out of town, Dan would be in the basement just going for it. Like, right. And every time I would come in, each time you would get better and better. Like the skills would get more developed. Yeah. And you were basically learning from like getting DJ videos or DVDs or how are you? I was you? able to get my hands on a couple VHS tapes, but they were, man, they were so poorly done back back then in like the early 2000s. Right. And um, this was, I guess, pre-YouTube. So that's the difference now is now I can point, you know, beginners like, man, there's a billion YouTube videos that show you every little thing from setting up your turntables and connecting wires to yeah. advanced techniques of scratching and beat juggling and all that. But it really was, I was kind of alone. I didn't really have any peers that had equipment or even understood DJ culture right. or turntablism or any of that shit. And even my friends were just like, man, what do you, why you got a vintage vinyl and spend all your money on, oh, that's on, on, weird. on yeah, records? Yeah, so, yeah. Like they didn't understand it. Until I started doing house parties, yeah, like a year or two later, where I was like, "All right, I think I'm finally good enough where I can actually play for some people." Right, and, and I, for people yeah. that don't understand this, this is old school traditional DJ turntablism, all vinyl records, right. two 
turntables, Technique 1200s, and a mixer. This is pre-Serato. Pre-CDJs, pre-digital, digital DJing uh, No laptop, right, man? You, it was It was yeah. two turntables and a mixer. Yep. And you just like scratching, 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 dude, like was... for hours. On oh, end. dude! Well, I was obsessed. And like, uh, who was that? Like, like uh, what's that famous Patton Oswalt quote? I always like to use is like, you have to have those obsession years. Yes. It, on anything. I mean, you had the same thing. I, I oh, witnessed shit, you, yeah, dude. where I... you were just locked in on your at your art table in your bedroom, yeah, blasting music. And just we're in it, and like yeah. you'd walk out of the room, you eat dinner, and you go back in the room and start yes. drawing again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it becomes and, a deeply ingrained like ritual. Yeah, that you just engage in all the time. Mm-hmm. And me, and there- man, like I, I, I you know, I, I, I was an athlete my whole life, but like once I hit high school, I got disinterested in that, and music just completely took over. And right. Once I got turntables and started like buying beat machines, learning how to produce like analog style, Mm -hmm. like that just, man, I would come home from school, throw my backpack down. I would just be in the laundry room for hours. Dad's upstairs going, you're rattling the China cabinets. Yeah. (laughs) Just screaming and shit. uh, One of the things I was going to say is like, overall, like mom and dad were pretty cool and tolerant about it because when I would visit from being out of town, I'd walk in the house and like the house would be shaking. I mean, you'd be (laughs) in the basement and the base (laughs) would be shaking the upper level. And I think that they saw how like obsessed you were with it and Mm -hmm. just true to it and, and into it. And they were like, what are we gonna do? Like say no or turn yeah? I think it down. they knew this was my new passion, and they yeah. wanted to nurture it. What you know, rather than you know, shit talk it, mm-hmm. make me like self conscious or whatever. And it was great when mom would walk in, and I'd be using records from her collection. Oh yeah, and she'd just be like folding laundry and be like, "Oh, it sounds good, honey." Yeah, <laughs> funk and soul. And- yeah, man. So yeah, so our mom and my mom was really into. Yeah, she had a pretty good collection of. Motown and stuff that, you know, as far as the foundation of hip hop is concerned. Yeah. Mom had some of those breaks. I know. She had that shit. So I, I got a head start. Which Curtis Mayfield was in there. Oh, yeah, and Stevie uh, Wonder, yeah. James Brown. Mm-hmm. You go on and on and on. And then dad was into like, you know, Rat Pack and oh, yeah. Sergio Mendez. But then he had like, you know, some classic rock shit. Yeah. He had Santana Abaraxas and Steppenwolf's greatest hits, I remember. Mom, when I was a kid, the record mom played nonstop in the late 70s that I will never forget, I vividly remember, is Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Oh, Jesus, Dude, yeah. she played yeah. that every day. Oh, yeah. Like that and a couple different... Um, she was really into Barry Manlow and Neil Diamond as well. <laughs> yeah. And the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack right. as a kid. Night on Disco Mom. Uh, shit, dude. I vividly remember all those. And whenever I'm driving around or if there's a classic rock station on and... Fleetwood Mac, dude, anything from Rumors, it's so ingrained in, like, my sense memory. Sure. Like, she, I will forever associate that album with her. Like, she played it every day. And what's funny about that is when I started DJing and I gathered, like, all their records together because some of their stuff was scattered and I kind of gathered everything, I had to ask mom and dad, I'm like, all right, you guys are obviously getting fucked up in the 70s. Definitely. Because they had four copies of Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. And they did? four copies of Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. 
Really? I'm not even joking, dude. They have dad's labels. My dad was so OCD that he would print out his oh, yeah. labels, Jim Moffood with his address on them, and, he, <laughs> and he'd put it on the record label on the vinyl. And Did he's he like, really? Yeah, and he's like, oh man, we would bring our records to house parties. I don't want people taking my shit. It's a valid point. I, I get, get it. it. Yeah, I mean, but it, what the funny part about it though is, I had to ask him like, "Why did you buy rumors four different times? You guys forgot to use that." Holy it. shit, dude! I didn't know that. Oh, dude, it's hilarious. Yeah, and Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there might be three copies of Dark Side of the Moon. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> I always associate our parents with being cocktail parents, and they were being you know drinkers, but right. they had to have gotten high a couple times. There's some photos that are evidence by uh, that they're just um <laughs> rosy eyes like a crazy. motherfucker <laughs> uh, and then so speaking of getting high uh so were you so you got your turntables and then were you just total like backyard garage style taking your turntables mixer and vinyl crates to house parties yeah. in high school yeah. and just and i bought a pair of speakers at best buy using my discount Okay, because you work there. And I would bring, I'd have to bring everything. I'd have to bring a receiver to run that, all my decks, all this shit. And my homie Bruce in high school was the guy that had the house parties, like Mm -hmm. the ones that everyone talked about, like leading up that whole week. We were all just antsy to get over to Bruce's house on Friday or Saturday night or whatever it was. Right. And man, like his house was just equipped for house parties, man. And people would come from other schools. And I would set up and like, dude, he'd go out to like a party store during the day while I was setting up my shit at his house and buy lighting and fog juice. And we would have fog machines and shit. And yeah, man, we would just be in the basement getting sweaty. And I'm I'm looking back on it. It's hilarious because I'm like, man, I've rocked like five hour sets with two crates of records. Like, yes. like I obviously was going through multiple tracks yeah. on each of yeah. these albums. There's no way. Well, it's like you, know? you were buying records where the whole album was full of bangers, right? I mean, I mean, well, for me, it's like I was starting from scratch, so I obviously started at like, what are the seminal hip hop records yeah. of all time? What do I have to have? Yeah. And what 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 house records do I need? What funk records am I missing? What yeah. breaks do I need? But of course, as any like beginner DJ like me on a budget, it's like they had those ultimate breakbeat records and all yes. that those compilations that were curated by DJs that were diggers and they would just have a volume and it would be 15 tracks of nothing but classic breaks and all that so that really helped me jump in and then later on when I had more money I went out and found those individual records right. and bought those but like man I, I call them crate savers they they yeah. man they saved my ass back in the day those when you're records starting off, like you they changed the game right oh I mean, sure for, and it changed a lot and of course a lot of vinyl purists like hated that shit at yeah. the time you know i think there's even a section in like the uh the scratch documentary from the early 2000s oh, that's right all those dudes are talking shit on that i'm like well dude I'm 16 years old working a, sh- a fucking nine dollar an hour job. I don't have any money, man. Yeah. And these records aren't cheap, dude. You get one you know, of those break I mean, records, and it's got like 20 insane tracks on it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And because I remember once being in town and going to Vintage Vinyl with you when you were starting to get records, and I was even like picking out shit for you like you got to yeah. get this funk record you got to get this parliament record you yeah. got to get this ohio players with the funky worm on it skin and yeah uh, you know the stack is building up and you're like skin i can't tight. afford like every one of these but <laughs> just tell me what the top like eight sure ridiculous essential ones and I was, are I was a sponge i obviously trusted your judgment yeah i, I wanted them all but it man, was going um, on a budget man you gotta start somewhere i was like living vicariously through you because i chose the obviously the visual 
right. path. You chose the music path, but right. me being a music fanatic my whole life, I mean, it's it was sort of like this crossover thing that was of happening. Course. Yeah. And then once you started DJing for real out in clubs, I mean, me and the homies started doing live art at your guys' events out here right. in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. We started doing Chicago together, like the Black Beetle. For sure. And that whole scene with Pickle and right. Intel. Oh, and All the homies. Jose Garibaldi. What's up, man? Huddleston. Shout out. <laughs> Crossland Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, those were ridiculous oh, drunken amazing parties. Amazing parties. And I was nervous back then because all those dudes, at least on the DJ front, had a decade or more on me. And I was, you know, I'm just like, fuck, dude. You know, I'm in Chicago playing for the first time. In Chicago, I got to represent. You know, oh, yeah. I'd actually make a set for it. Oh, Those shit. Those dudes okay. would just be like, they were so good. They were just fucking rolling with it, kind of freestyle. And I'm like, nah, man. I brought one crate, but I'm playing all of this. I have it all <laughs> right. laid out. I know what I'm doing. And I got great responses, man. And they kind of accepted me. And, I mean, obviously you brought me in. So. Yeah. You know, you knocked down some doors for me as well. Well, we all just became like a community of people that wanted to do cool shit and have yeah. parties. And the live art thing kind of started by accident at Comic-Con in San Diego at these after parties. Because no one what else year was, was do- that when you first started doing Scott that? Scott Morris and I started doing them in like 99, 2000. Okay. And it's just because there was no good parties happening and i had access through the san diego djs to this club called the honey beehive in downtown san diego and it's before all the movie studios and all that shit moved into comic-con and so you could easily get a venue without even paying for it like the club was just wanted a piece of the door oh man and a piece of the bar and we dude we would have a, a packed to capacity club you right. know uh, event every year at comic-con and that's kind of where and then we started spreading it out to different cities and yeah, you guys took that everywhere you went and for years man you did that for like it was o- over a decade or it was a, way more over a decade man. yeah it was a good era but you know how it is throwing parties and right. events it becomes i mean me being a visual artist dude suddenly i'm dealing with like club owners and promoters and uh, doormen and security. That's my and world, man, and it's shady. For me, <laughs> I, I, it became like, why am I the leader of all this? Like, I have other shit that I need to do. Yeah. And no one kind of knew how much was going in to doing all this. Dude, all your guys' supplies, plywood, and canvases, just, all that shit. Like, yeah. It, and then you gotta pay the DJs. Yes. You gotta have a rider for drinks and food and man, the list goes on. Like it's a, a lot of moving parts. I mean that's just yeah. how shows are and man, yeah, I've <laughs> the ones I did with you, yeah, I did a San Diego Comic Con with you. This was probably like two thousand eight or something. That was oh seven the year 07. that I got really, really drunk and upset. Well yeah. Well I mean you had every did you, do one you had every right to, to after be that, pissed off. Or was that it? In San Diego, that's the only one I did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've done a bunch of C2E2s with you in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Then in St. Louis, we did Project Comic Con and something else. I don't even remember. Almost every Christmas, every year at Atomic Cowboy in St. Louis. The San Diego one, just for people to know, like in 07, I got mad because this club didn't let me know what was going on. And we showed up and the venue was split in two where 
the live art and the DJ was in one room, and then mm-hmm. the bar was in the other, and they, they weren't it. allowing people to bring the booze into the live art room, which defeated the whole <laughs> fucking point of the party. The, right. the point is everyone drinks, gets drunk, and dances while they're watching the art unfold in front of them. Yeah. And... Dude, I was I was so furious. Yeah. I, I got pissed, and I, then I got like super drunk and was talking shit to people. And, <laughs> and we had incredible artists that year. We had like Ashley Wood, right. this famous oh, Australian yeah. artist who you know his work. Mm-hmm. He fucking did live art with us. That was incredible. Like yeah. we had all these killer people, David Mack. Uh, I believe Huddleston, yeah. Jose Crosen were all there yeah. that year. Soria was there, and it just turned into a totally disappointing shit show for me. Yeah, man. I mean, that's the venue's fault. That was nothing on you. It, I mean, we brought the people. You brought the artists. Yeah. Uh, me and some local dude spun together, and, it, and then we gelled well. Yes. It worked great. And, man, yeah, I don't blame you for being pissed off at all. Like, yeah. Dude, you happen. can't have a fucking party without booze involved. Sorry. Doesn't yeah, I, I don't know what they were thinking. It was so fucking weird. And there's people from all over the world at San Diego right. Comic-Con that are looking for, like, the hot shit and want to have a good time. And all these people showed up to the party and were like, what? Why? Why are we? What's happening? What it we- becomes a thing where you have to explain it 50 uh, times you know, a night while you're and you're just like, dude, I'm tired of fucking yeah. telling this same spiel. I'm done. It was weird. Yeah, but dude, it, I, I mean, you guys killed it, and I, I was really proud to introduce St. Louis to a lot of that because there was really no one doing mm-hmm. like like a setup like we we had with all you guys, like a fortress of plywood walls with canvases, and you guys would be drinking throughout the night. So like your first pieces would all be solo. Oh, and yeah, then throughout yeah, yeah. the night, I could tell you guys are getting loose and you're like all painting on each other's yeah. canvases and totally like full collaboration. Yeah. And, you know, it would be me and a couple DJs, maybe my old my old hip hop group Earthworms played a couple ones. Yeah. And dude, it was just like a full circle, one stop shot for, you know, a full visual audio takeover. Yeah, man, we brought it as hard as it was we great, could. Man. And, you know, we had some great parties in STL too. And people, man, people even messaged me. Like yesterday on Facebook, when they saw that you were in town, they're like, "Man, so any live art DJ shit going on?" I'm like, "Nah, man, just family. I know we'll we'll get we'll do a big party, yeah, at some point. We'll have to I bring just, it back. I, I want. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to get some of the other guys to show up in St. Louis. You know, we That's the gum and cross you know crossing obviously and Huddleston and uh, dude, everyone's Jose. Scattered. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna be hard, but. We're going to try. Reunion show. Yeah. Um, let's get back to the mix, and then we'll be back with DJ Mav, 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 Mav,
And we back. Uh, real quick, Roy Porter, Sound Machine, with Hip City, Can Kick, True Adore, and Ariel Pink from Los Angeles with Black Ballerina. What would happen, man, if during one of your club gigs on a Friday or Saturday night, like you just dropped in the middle of a set like Roy <laughs> Porter? <laughs> what, what, the oh, reaction. Man, the whole room would turn against me. It'd be pretty amazing to just kind of fuck with people like that. It's an experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, a different version of like trolling almost at this point. Right. <laughs> trolling your own Because uh, obviously I'd have floor. my phone out recording the reaction because it would be priceless. Shit. But yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing now. I mean, because I'm still, I still throw a lot of my own events and the events that I curate myself, I'm doing me and me and all my homies that are DJing. This is our gig to get like our performance-based sets uh, right. uh, out of the way. You know, like, we're doing turntablism, beat juggling, scratching, live remixes, collaborating, all this shit. And it's like, we're playing the music we really want to play. Yeah. And I have fans that come out, they just want to come out and hear me do those sets. Yes. And then I also dabble in the club world. Because let, let's be honest, you know, I mean, in the DJ world, to stay relevant, I mean, you gotta, you gotta play clubs. Yeah. Have to. And the club environment, I'm playing for... You know, some of these kids are in there at 21. Yeah. You know, they want to hear, hear all the familiar top 40 hit shit. And am I driving around in my car listening to that on my own time? Fuck no. Right. Am I aware of those records? I have to be. Yeah. You know, and it's like almost having two DJ careers in, in one. A little bit. Yeah. You I, know. I, that's accurate, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're doing a new podcast now, though, where mm-hmm. you're showcasing new music but it is the stuff that is great it's the stuff that people should be turned on to if they want new quality yeah i mean i I, honestly with the internet it's just like man you release something really dope and there's (laughs) records that like me and a couple of my buddies will vibe on and then i realize that no one else in st louis is on this shit or anywhere really you know because like as an artist you know because i make original music with guys on my record label and have been doing that forever and it's just like when you release something sometimes it just gets lost in the same right. bullshit that's out there there's a lot of stuff yeah when you think of Bandcamp and soundcloud and itunes and spotify all the like a million different outlets different albums on everyone a lot of the same stuff on everything mm-hmm. and it's just like you know some dope stuff just falls through the cracks and that's not man that bums me out you yeah. know what i mean and you know so i wanted to make a podcast that was kind of the alternative to that right where i'm just playing shit that needs to be heard like stuff that i'm on my personal time this is what i'm listening to yeah when i'm chilling at my house or i'm riding around in my car or whatever it is it's awesome you know and it's like it's not i'm not playing club bangers right i'm not playing shit that's designed for the you know the saturday night turn up yeah when you're drinking and whatever and chasing girls and all that it's just it's not for that yeah and it's like man especially in hip-hop that drives me crazy where everyone thinks that Every new hip hop song has to be a, a club song, right? It has to be about partying and drinking and fucking whatever. It's like, dude, nah, man. Like, we can talk about a whole lot more. There's still and stuff that, going on. There's yeah, still... and that's the stuff that I seek out. Like, I want some more substance, man. I want some lyrical content. I want some good songwriting. I want some interesting production techniques. Yeah, some of this stuff. It's like, man, you can tell that these mainstream producers are using the same programs. You know, it's like, dude, all these beats are starting to sound alike. Dude, it's so And the similar. cadences and flows of the rappers are just lazy, man. It's like, oh, that was a hit? Well, my next single is going to, you know, ride that Kendrick cadence. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, like if his shit was hot, maybe I can get on the radio. It's just like, man, it's lazy. Carbon copy clones, man. It's and just- unoriginal, but like your podcast though is, is doing its job because just on the, like the first episode, you turned me on to like three or four new records that I didn't know oh, about. Like nice. I didn't know that Nightmares on Wax has a new record. Right. I love those guys. I was like, yeah. oh shit, I got to get that record. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. Royce to Five Nines new record. Right. Fucking great. So, it's do, it's doing its job. Yeah, that's exactly the goal of I know. the podcast. When you pitched me like what it was, and then I heard it, I'm like, you nailed your your goal. Right, like you nailed the point of of doing it because I'm I'm unaware of a lot of new music. Like the older I get, the more I kind of go back to the shit that I love in the seventies and treasure trove of gold. In yeah, seventies and, and I don't want to ever give up hope that like there's not good new shit yeah and that's one of my arguments that i have to defend with with dudes like especially like guys that i went to high school with and shit they think hip-hop ended 10 years ago Mm -hmm. or some shit and i'm like no it didn't man you just gotta take a little bit of time yeah we have computers in our pockets now with services like spotify that have like almost every goddamn album known to man yeah don't be lazy it's insane like like, come on man (laughs) if you really want to hear new music like you can find it it just takes a little bit of effort and uh what's the name of the show and where can people get it so it's called moffs m-a-h-f apostrophe s music machine moffs music machine uh, it's hosted on Libsyn. Oh, yeah. Uh, but if you have the Apple iTunes podcast app, uh, it's, you can just search that and you can subscribe to it. Nice. Okay. And uh, I'm working on getting into more outlets. Since I am playing music that's not copywritten and copywritten, there's mm-hmm. a couple services I've run into some roadblocks with. Right. So, you know, you might not find it on Spotify, even though I really want it on there. But But, yeah, check it out. Hit me up with some feedback. Let me know what you think. I got the second episode, uh, or actually, I'm probably going to be in a couple episodes deep. <laughs> yeah, by the time point. this airs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I'm just going to try to churn out like two a month and just, just keep it going, man. Because I'm already curating all this music. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I used to be a program director at a radio station out here in St. Louis for years. Yes. And to be honest with you, I never told any of these record labels or record pools that I quit that job. Oh, sweet. Okay, <laughs> so I still I, get yeah. sent. That's, I still get sent all this crazy new music that's incredible. a couple months in advance sometimes before it even drops. Right. And I'm like, man, I need to be playing this for people. You, you know what I mean? Yes. Like uh, on my own way. And why Why wouldn't I? That's, it's you almost know. like you're, I don't even know how to describe it, like an actual bootleg underground radio <laughs> DJ <laughs> a little bit. doing what is supposed to be done. Like, well, I'm getting the new shit. Right. I'm going to preview it and, and let people know, like, what's good. And, like, man, basically the last thing I said, I, I, you know, I say on the on the end of bo- most of these episodes is, like, man, if you like this music, buy the album on iTunes. Yeah. Put the album in your Spotify playlist or, or whatever your outlet is now, your digital music outlet, however you consume music. Just hunt this stuff down. It's really worth checking out. Yeah. Because not only is the one song I played you off the 12-song album great, there's a ton of other shit that I'm not, you're not hearing. Sure. You know what I mean? And oh, it's, yeah. it's worthwhile. So, yeah, man, that's the goal. And do you even have guys that are like you that are music connoisseurs that be like, oh, man, like you turned me on to this. Like, that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah, it's great. And it's yeah. all, like, mixed together, too. Yeah. It's it's like uh, you pop on the show and it's, it's like an experience. Yeah, it's a flow. I, I'm not technically like dj mixing right, like on right. like like actually it's not like a mix show but i made it in a way that it kind of flows like that. no it, it has <laughs> dude it has a definite flow to it like cool. i've drawn to it and it's got that like mixtape 
feel to right. it. Right, right, And you're not, certain songs you're not playing in their entirety, but it's enough yeah. where it's like, okay, let's move on to this new one from such and such. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's Cause, good. Because sometimes, because I want to keep, keep people's attention. I want to pack in as much stuff as I can in an hour episode. So, mm-hmm. you know, me, I already make edits of a lot of these songs for like club purposes and, you know, just DJ purposes. So, right. Yeah, I might chop part of the outro off or talk over it, or I might, you know, you don't need to hear the third verse of this song. Yeah. If you want to hear the third verse, buy the fucking song on iTunes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Simple as that. Because I'm just trying to keep it moving, man. I think that's important. Because I, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't want to play like a seven minute track and just kind of yeah. like bleed on. But, you know. I know you're playing some long songs and you're, I'm not dissing that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm playing like, <laughs> you dude, know, jazz shit where oh, some yeah. of them are like, well, you can't edit songs. that because it just is, yeah, it cuts the balls off of the song. It's you more of uh, an experience. Right. You know, and like being in my record vault is sure. sort of the vibe of the show. Sure. Um, but before I forget, I wanted to go in like chronological order and go from as far as you doing DJ shit in high school to being in. Was the, the first band you were in was basically Essence of Logic. Yeah. So and then it was, was it Earthworms after that? I did Frozen Food Section for a while. Oh, I remember shit. that. Remember those yes, guys? Of course. Uh, so Essence of Logic was a kind of like a hybrid rock band that I was in. We were all in high school, man. We were kids. Yeah. You know, we were junior, seniors in high school. I did an album cover. And, you yeah, guys. you did our, our, our first full length. Jim did the album cover. It's actually on Spotify. If you look at it. Oh, up. no shit. Oh, God. It's, it's painful to go back and listen to that stuff. Oh, but my I God. I love all those guys. Those are all the homies still. And it was my first experience being in a real recording studio, mm-hmm. recording a full length album, man. We were on a budget. You know, we bought like a block of time because that's all we wow. could afford. We're all yeah. working shit jobs, man. Like one of the dudes is working at like a fast food restaurant. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like this is all we can afford. <laughs> so it's like, dude, the pressure to record that 10 song album and track every instrument, and every part and ever and get the takes we wanted oh, shit. was something that was insane for us. <laughs> and we got it done. But what was crazy, a story that actually connects us to the studio that we're at right now I met Matt Sawicki during that recording session. That's how long I've known Matt. Not a lot of people know that. Oh, damn. And Matt was a year younger than me, so he was in high school, too. Right. You know, clean like clean um, shaven. I was just going to ask, did he look like Rick Rubin back then? Oh, no. Oh, no. Matt Sawicki has long, flowing hair and a lovely wizard beard, and he looks... Exactly, like uh, Rip Rubin from the 80s. 80s Beastie Boys era, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And what's funny is he plays in one of my bands, and we call him that. It's fucking great. And the band is a Beastie Boys cover, cover band. band. This is the weirdest. Yeah, it's full circle. It's, uh... But uh, the main guy, the owner of this recording studio that we were recording that first album at, was dicking around and fighting with his ex-wife on the phone and kept leaving the session. Okay. And we were on the clock still. Right. And he wasn't going to comp us for that time. So I got fucking pissed, and I walked into Studio B and knocked on the door, and Matt answered, and I was I kind of just told him what was going on. Oh, wow. I was wow, upset. Okay. I'm like, dude, this guy's wasting our time. We don't have a lot of money, and da 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 Matt was like, let me see what you're working on. Matt jumped on the console and finished the entire song for us. Oh, wow. Like, that's dude, awesome. he, was, he was probably 16, 17. Yeah. And it's like, that's how we first met, and then years later, I've recorded every album I've done from 2009 to... 2018 here with Matt. Matt's touched every single DJ mix, remix I've done, full-length album with all the dudes. That's amazing. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, from Essence of Logic, uh, that was the first time I kind of started touring a little bit too. We started hitting like the college towns 
around the Midwest for Essence of Logic. Right. And then, you know, the band went their separate ways. Some of the guys went out to college and shit, and it just, you know, it just fizzled out. Sure. Um, and then I got introduced to this collective called the Frozen Food Section. Dude. And these dudes were this abstract, crazy, left-field hip-hop shit. Like, it's basically like Dr. Doom, Deltron on acid. Yeah. Fucked up, weird. These guys are all Christian scientists. Which just makes it even better <laughs> and weirder. And yeah. Jonathan Toth from Hoth, this yes. insane producer, and Tucker Booth, this yeah. crazy MC. And honestly, dude, like, their trilogy of records, the J. Toth Love Sickle record, album. Tucker Booth for President, and Tucker Booth Valet. Yeah. I still will listen to those records like a couple times They're really a year. inventive, man. They're, They're there's great a lot of artistry records. in those records. Yeah. And J. Toth's production on those records mm-hmm. is fantastic. I I still love it. They're and I, great. And, and uh, there was a turntablist that was already in that collective that brought me in. Like, hey man, I can't do all these tracks because they just wanted scratches and samples from me. Mm-hmm. So they kind of threw me to the wolves. And that was the first time I recorded on hip hop tracks. Okay, you know, and I got my feet wet with them. I started DJing with them. I became buddies with all those guys. They yeah. were some of the interest, most interesting dudes I've ever met in my life. Dude, those guys were bugged out. They're still great dudes. I wish we were in contact more, but I, I still see John every once in a while. And okay. Cal- and Calc, too, I, I stay up with, of course. Yes. Um, and I did a couple pieces of art for yeah. Jay Toth that were used for, like, 12-inch singles. The Math album. Uh, and I did The Math yeah. And I did uh, a single for um, I Want to Be Your Boyfriend or Will You Be My Girlfriend? Uh, Which song was that? Oh, shit. I, oh, man. Do You Want to Be My Girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was yeah. a 12-inch, and I did a cover right. for that. Yeah. Um, this is all like 2005? Yeah. Four? Yeah, four. F- f- probably three or four. It's all a blur, dude. I yeah, don't know no, anymore. I feel you. And then, uh, <laughs> as we're drinking these beers, like, I don't, I don't Can you know. remember all this? Um, and then from then, uh, from, from there, I, uh, I got into a group called Earthworms, which yes. there was two yeah. legendary MCs uh, out here in St. Louis from, uh, one was from a group called Core Project and another was from a group called Jive Turkey. Yes. And I came oh, up like shit. sneaking Jive into these. Jive Turkey. Yeah. And I came up like sneaking into these guys' shows and shit when I was right. underage. I would make like fake lanyards and journalism class in high school and sneak God into their, damn. Sh- their shows and shit. Were you sneaking into those with Cat? Yeah. So, some, sometimes. Okay. Um, I went with John, our, our, our brother John. Okay. To one. And he's the one who actually like, I think, introduced me to Kama. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they they would see each other out at bars and shit, and just kind of be like, "What's up, bro?" Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they didn't really know each other, but like they just would see each other in passing. Okay. And then you were friends with Matthias. Yes. Because you did the Art Thugs album cover. Yeah. Uh, and it through was, it's Jeremy McConnell's younger brother, Sam Grillo. This is a whole. It yeah. really is all. Connected. I know we're name dropping a shitload of people here. It's, uh, but uh, but yeah, Earth people can Google all this. Yeah, and yeah. find records from all these people, For and sure. they're all worth. Exploring almost all of the stuff I'm referencing is on Spotify. Okay, uh, all three Earthworms full length albums are on Spotify. If you just okay. if you just uh, just search Earthworms, just the way it's spelled. Check them out, people. Yeah, and I did all the covers you with did Jose all three. Garibaldi yeah. doing these ridiculous, gorgeous oh. cover colors over my line work Man. that really transformed my drawings into this whole other thing, and oh, it yeah. became like the Earthworms album 
look, right. album cover look. And then Jose wound up coloring the covers to my mixtape art book series. I did right. an image Beautiful. based off what he was doing for Earthworms. And I mean, I'm still boys with Jose. He's a ridiculously talented okay, artist. Yeah. But him and I, together on those Earthworms albums, it became sort of this magical thing you know oh man you guys are on fire during that whole and, era. dude those and, records and, and, and are like, all great too oh, thanks, i mean man. the production got, the beats you gotta like understand too like nothing coming out as far as midwest hip-hop looked like that mm-hmm. either so people would gravitate towards that immediately you, you know they'd just be like what the fuck is this like good yeah covers dope i'm like that's all to my brother <laughs> yeah well i mean that's you the know. point is like Making good shit, unique shit, and then standing out, hopefully, in whatever, like, scene you're in. Or I mean, I, that's kind of what I learned in Kansas City with, like, the Flavor Pack crew when mm-hmm. I was in college is people were doing their own zines and mini comics and stuff. But then Flavor Pack was, like, this hip-hop, graffiti, comics, art school collective right. of people that were just making this magazine, throwing their own parties, making their own flyers doing their own comics and doing it out of like the love and the desire to stand out and be unique. And that's when I met that whole KC crew, Scribe, Tech Nine. Yeah. And all of these people. Jock Max. Jock Max, Legend. And all these people have kind of gone off into their own little areas. And it's very exciting. And Those dudes are gods in KC now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Dude, Scribe runs kansas city oh, dude, his art is everywhere. shout out to scribe if he's listening yeah man maybe he is yeah man um and then so earthworms and then and you guys dude we were talking about this the other day but you guys traveled internationally yeah i mean earthworms. we toured the u.s a lot i mean these albums actually did really well nationally and we got connected on um a bunch of really good tours with different you know acts that it's funny because it, it started coming full circle for me during the earthworms era where i was like Getting on tours of guys that like I grew up listening to in high school, right? Like I had their album covers on my wall in my bedroom and shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, it's incredible. Um, yeah, the Earthworms thing really took us all over, man. Like we toured relentlessly, three full length albums, some mixtapes, and all that shit. And um, we ended up doing a USO tour for the government yes. uh, right before our third album came out. So I was like 2010. Okay. And, um, man, we did, we went all over Europe, man. We were out for like a month. Where'd you go? Like, where? Oh, God. We were, we did, we did, we went through uh, the entire country of Germany. Wow. We played like four or five shows in Germany. We were in the, Bel- we were in Belgium. Right. UK, Netherlands. And dude, we even went to Kosovo. I know. You were t- which was insane. I forgot about that. We Kosovo- were talking about it the other day, and that's when Whoa. it was, it became super dry, right? They were like, there's no partying or no. booze here. Yeah, we were on military lockdown on an army base in Kosovo for like yeah. five days because they literally were sending Black Hawk helicopters off the base shit. to go fight shit like three miles away, and you could see, you could hear stuff. It was crazy, That's, man. They had yeah. British soldiers stationed there, too. So we lived like soldiers for a couple days where we would eat three meals a day with these guys. Right. The, f- the hu- alarm would go off at like six forty-five a.m. We'd oh, all fuck. we'd all have to line up outside of our cabins and military no stands. Shit? Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. They treated us like we were. Yeah, you had to get in line. <laughs> They're like they made us shave our heads. <laughs> we had to Which cut our beards off. Yeah, yeah. But dude, it was it was great, man. So we would play music for these guys, and it was just a really great escape for them. Yeah, you know, because I had two buddies that were in the Marines that were in Afghanistan and Iraq, multiple tours. Two of my best friends. Oh yeah. 
uh, at the time, and I talked to them about that. It's like, man, the USO asked us, and they were both like, you have to do this, man. Oh, yeah. You have to go on that yeah. tour. He goes, you have no idea what that two-hour concert means to just, like, get out of our own head. Oh, sure. And not be looking over our shoulder every five minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just, it really means a lot to those guys. Yeah. Just the, the escapism aspect. Just get away from everything. Dude, that's two huge. You know, and some of those guys, I, you know, I struck up friendships with them and I've been emailing them ever since. Wow. I've, I've emailed care packages of CDs and T-shirts and merch and shit That's to some awesome, of these guys. Man. And it's it's just, it's an, it was an incredible experience. I'll never forget that. Yeah. It was. That's like one for the ages. That's a lifetime oh, yeah. or you're, you're oh, just yeah. like, dude, that era. Oh, I, had, I, got, like, I got official like U.S. military dog tags oh, and shit. Like it's DJ Moff on them. I know. And you and I yeah. aren't like military people <laughs> no. whatsoever so no. but it isn't about that it's no. like what you just said it's about those guys that are there going to entertain yeah. and providing an escape right like you can't argue that that's fucking no. awesome no no and you know bless them for everything they do for the country yeah you know, i hate the sound you know that cornball well no line, no it's, it's true dude i'm not i've pro war so much respect for those guys like yeah man, i could not do that shit yeah i'm a pussy man fuck that i know <laughs> me too i'm like where's my colored pencil set where i the funny thing is like when you're in a dry area like kosovo i could just imagine some of the guys in the earthworms like getting the shakes because they can't smoke Oof. weed or drink oh, yeah. for five days like well, what we do we do like monsters for like two and a half weeks straight <laughs> on this like state-of-the-art tour bus with like the playstation in the back like some mtv crib shit and you know, then all of a sudden you just land for a week. It's like, guess what? No more of that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Which, which was actually probably a smart thing. We kind of needed that, you know, reset button. Yes. Whew. And but yeah, the Earthworms thing led me to Indie Ground. Yeah, which who I still work with today. Oh yes. Uh, and that's a record label that's based out of Kansas City. They've released shit, man. We're up to almost close to forty full length albums. Holy shit! Yeah, man. I mean, the label's been around for twelve years. Started by my homie Steady P. Shout out to Steady P. Man, you know dude, that's Ray. one of my best friends. That's family. We yeah. love you, dude. Yeah, maybe dude. he's listening. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while, but shout outs, brother. You're, I, yeah, I miss man. you. And me and Steady <laughs> kind of became like a flagship duo artist combo on the label. Yeah, where man, we just toured the U.S. nonstop. Man, <laughs> released almost an album, at least an album a year. We would put out like an album, an EP, and almost a mixtape out a year for years. Dude, so prolific. So our, our content output, like I finally met a guy that like matched my drive yeah. in all this shit, like an MC version of what I do, which was great. Right. But the only problem was he didn't, we don't even, like we both live in Missouri, but we're four hours apart. Right. So it still was tough, but we would make the drives to finish these albums and yeah. talk constantly on the phone and, Dude, you know, you obviously Skype and all that shit. And getting it, in the car and just literally driving for oh, hours oh, and for hours and hours. For like two months straight. Just gangster style, like old school yep. hustling. Yep. And some of the stories oh, God. you've told me of like <laughs> racism. Oh, Studies black, so it's like yeah. racism. Someone threw a dead rabbit. Oh yeah, carcass when we were in Wisconsin, yeah, there was dudes of like, uh, you know, yeah, the guys with the uh, Confederate flags on the back of their truck throwing dead animal carcasses at us while we're loading our gear outside the venue. 
screaming I, I, the N word at us and shit. Like, I mean, uh, it's okay. shit that you can't because we would make hit up. the dirty pockets of the Midwest, man. We would hit in like the South. We'd hit places. We'd go everywhere, man. Me and him were like, "You want to book us? We'll come out." Yeah. And we will slang our merch and we'll get on stage and murder. Because me and him, man, the chemistry we have on stage is like nothing. It's I've so ever had. dynamic. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's it's something where this dude is just a monster MC and a great songwriter and passionate on stage. And then I, you know, and I'm up on stage backing him up on vocals and triggering beats and yeah. chopping shit up and then scratching and like it's a full blown show. Yeah, you see hip hop shit today and it's like a dude with a toy controller. <laughs> hitting play, standing there while a dude raps over his own vocals on the track. That's so weird, dude. And then the song ends and he's just like, hey, DJ, uh, go on to that next shit. And the crowd's just sitting there not clapping. And it's fucking weird. Is that man. what's known as Zanny rap? Yeah, I'd, sure. Yeah. People are on <laughs> Xanax and they don't know that the show is terrible. I'd, That's what's happening. It's a predicament. They are, they're on the wrong drugs, dude, and yeah. they don't know that the show is fucking terrible. Right. Yeah. It's an epidemic. Well, it, 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 well it's just become a universal, that's the way you do hip-hop in the younger generation or whatever. I mean, That's the shit that makes me feel old. Me too. Where I'm like, remember <laughs> when hip-hop used to be about funk and boom bap? And soul and, samples. And, and, and like, and you know, snap your neck and you're nodding your head to this shit and, you know, backpacker, whatever you want to call it. It's like, sure. it had that pop to it. It had an energy and a positivity that I always associated with, like, the most creative thing you could do. Right. And then well, it to have to it, it now, yeah. I don't even know enough about it to make fun of it, dude. Right. But it's like, and I don't MCs be that guy. now, they're like, I was walking down the street. It's like, what? what? Is this yeah. rapping? Well, they're not they call, even... That's why they call it mumble rap. But I, you see any of these guys that are even on, you know, on a mainstream level doing that. And man, their live shows are terrible. I've opened up for some of these guys at big venues in St. Louis. It's weird. And I just can't believe that people are shelling out $30, $40 for a ticket yeah. to watch this dude just not even rap on his own shit. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so basically weird. an album listening party. Yes. With a dude with a mic that will, like, put the mic up to his face and say, like, three words out of the verse. Right. And then he's, like, he's, like, just feeling himself on his own music on stage. Like, yeah. Walking around in circles. It's like he's doing karaoke to his it's own weird. shit. It's weird. Let me ask you a question. What do you think would happen during that show if suddenly Cool Keith just came out? <laughs> and was it, like, well, number one, and, if and, he would even make it. Well, but, but, but listen, no, listen. I'm talking about Cool Keith in his prime, like Dr. Octagon, Black oh, Elvis with oh the plastic God. wig. He's He comes out on stage and he's like, there's a horse loose in the hospital. <laughs> like, uh, oh, people's God. minds would, I would explode. Be, I would be so happy. <laughs> And people, right. people would just be bewildered by that, man. We're, I, if Cool yeah. Keith's management is listening to oh, this show, God. DJ Moff is going to reach out to you, <laughs> and we're going to organize a social this. experiment. Man, yeah, it, it's just it's uh, an interesting time for all that. I don't want to sound like the jaded old dude, but there's still great dope shit being made by yeah. young guys. There is. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know, man. To me, it's like, put a little fucking effort into your live show, man. Mm -hmm. Come on. People are paying money to come see you. I know. To be an artist in 2018 and survive and have a sustainable career, shows are how you make your money. Right. Tours are how you make your money. Your merchandise at these shows. Right. Your merch sales at these shows means everything. 
that keeps your that gives you longevity in your career. Yeah. If you can't do that shit, you're fucked. Right. Like if you just got a hot YouTube song and you're gonna ride that wave that and, and, and think your iTunes checks are gonna fucking pay for everything forever. You are sorely mistaken, my friend. Like, yeah. like it just that ain't how the game's working. Right. You know, these streaming services and shit, you get a fraction of a penny per play. It's nuts. Good man. luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's... that's why I just I'm like, man, why aren't these shows that great? And they're kind of going the EDM route where there's all this visual distraction on stage. Yes. Even we were even, talking about that the other night too. Yeah, where it's lighting. Yeah. Screens showing visuals. 3D projected. Throwing shit. cake at people. Whatever it is. And wearing magic shoes or something. Or, or, I don't or, even or know. In the DJ EDM world, of some sort of mask or animal head or whatever <laughs> the fuck it is. And it's just like, this is a huge clown show. For a guy like me, I can't help but be the dude in the back at the bar. Like, dude, pour me a fucking double Jameson. Like, if yeah. I'm going to be in here, yeah. I got to be like fucked up. You don't want to hear me bitching and complaining. I don't want to ruin anyone's time. Yeah. But it's just the equivalent like, to man. what the equivalent to what you're saying in like the comic book world is at conventions in the artist alleys that aren't well curated is the poser kids who have like the tower mountain of prints uh. and the, the wall of shame, the wall of prints, where it's a kid who's like aping someone else's drawing style or they're tracing photos on Photoshop and adding a little bit of mm. razzle-dazzle yeah. and a lens flare effect and selling it as their own work. Or they just suck, but they're making money because they're selling images of things that people know. Like, here's another Deadpool drawing. You right. know Deadpool, right? Your little kid <laughs> knows Deadpool. Right. It's only five bucks for my print. The other guy over here who's really talented, his prints are 30. And has a... So, you know, so <laughs> you know, why not just buy the one that your kid wants because your kid doesn't have taste yet in art. Right. So there's like a version of that in every scene of art. That is so crazy. But to me, man, it's like I'm like you where I don't want to be the jaded guy because it isn't mm -mm. fun anymore. No, and so no. I always have the belief like the good shit has to just prevail. Well, like, it's funny because it still has. I mean, I'm a testament to that. My DJ style is considered like not extinct, but it's just like, dude, it ain't what's super popular in the DJ world. Right. Like, like all my style, no one does my style that's on like the Forbes top 20 money-making DJs every year. Mm -hmm. Not no one. I mean, maybe A-Track. Okay. But, I mean, that dude, you know, has gone a whole other, you know, avenue, but he still scratches and actually puts on a fucking show. Right. You know what I mean? Not but it's uh, just, Tiesto. No, not Calvin Harris and <laughs> all this shit, man, where it's just literally a pre-made set on Ableton most of the time. I'm not dogging all these guys. Some of them actually do mix, but... Dude, 80% aren't doing shit. If right. you're going to these shows, you're wasting your money. You're, you should be putting that money into the guy, the visual team that brings these giant 3D projection mapped screens and are on their triggering visuals in real time. Like, And I've seen some of these EDM dudes like mime shit, and they're trying to play like actual instruments. What? And they're actually miming it. Oh, wow. Like, there's a group uh, that, that was, you know, they had like kettle drums Miked, oh, and they have a segment where there's four of these dudes, and they're all up there, and it looks like they're actually banging the drums in sync. And I talked to my homies because I know the dudes who run all these venues in St. Louis that are actually the stage managers and this fucking sound techs that are running the boards. And, oh. I, and, I, and I was like, I thought I saw these dudes like off sync, but the audio was still on point. He's like, Oh yeah, none of this was real tonight. It was all bullshit. 
That's I'm just nuts. like, what the fuck, man? Really? That's nuts. Oh, it's, you know, whatever. I mean, if that's what you want to pay money for and worship, it's just, I don't know. To me, quality and the real shit is, like you said, is always going to have longevity. Yeah. It's going to continue on. Rise to the top. And there's a whole new crop of kids that are asking me, like, I want to learn how to scratch. I want to learn how to scratch on turntables. I want to do what you're doing. And da-da-da. I don't want to buy a controller and just you plug it into my laptop that I already own. Yeah. And I don't blame them for going that route when they first start off because DJ expense, DJ gear is really expensive. Yeah. My setup is thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And you're always adding to it. You're always oh, updating, ends, upgrading. Yeah. yeah. Software is always changing and new shit comes out and then me, you know, a I'm dumb up- drunk kid at a comic con might crack oh, your, uh, laptop screen. <laughs> like what happened out here years ago. Oh man. Uh, what that's a whole other that guy. <laughs> story. <laughs> Jumped off stage uh, and chased that kid Jesus. in the middle of the show. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, but uh, but yeah. So th- I mean, there is there's both. The, you know, and I don't. Again, I don't blame kids for spending a couple hundred bucks using the laptop they've already owned. Oh sure. I, like a, sure. Getting a subscription to a record pool. It's like twenty dollars a month, and you have all these songs you can download. Yeah. That are made for DJing. They're curated with like intros and outros and shit. They're they're sculpted to be played in a DJ set. Right. You know, and it's like, I don't blame them for starting that way. But they, and then they get lazy and they don't ever try to add any, like... like, Any of their own flair. Yeah. It just depends. It's Um, hard to say, man, but... No, but it's it's cool to hear it broken down because I even, like I said, I'm kind of removed from it and I just like what I like. Even though hip hop's been a part of my whole life, music obviously huge influence on me and my work. But what's happening and what's been happening in the last just recent years, everything moves so fast. Oh yeah. But I think a lot of people are unaware of how this even works. Sure. You know. It's the technology's hard for me to even keep up with. Like now there's so much DJ gear and so many different ways to DJ when someone's like, I'm gonna start DJing. What what, what should I buy? And I got a, I have like a laundry Shit. list of Good questions. Luck. I have to ask them, what's your budget? What kind of DJ are you trying to be? What are you? Yeah. You know, there's all these questions I have to ask before I can even like recommend a piece of equipment to them. Right. And then if they want to know the style of DJing, I don't do like on, you know, the controllers and all that stuff. And that's fine. Some dudes get down on these controllers. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they ask me like, what controller should I buy? And I'm like, I don't really fucking know. Cause there's like a thousand of them now. That's nuts. You know dude. what I mean? It's just like I can't keep track of model numbers and all this shit. I know like the top five that are like played on by professionals, but right. like you know, the <laughs> the rattling off model numbers. Is this one good? I'm like, uh, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's too many options. Go on DJCity.com, they review everything with a video. Just watch the video and if you think you want to buy it, buy it. Okay, you heard that here, aspiring <laughs> DJs. Uh let's get back to the mix and then we will be back for a final roundup discussion. DJ Ma in the mix.
music power. Yo, my method for my musical madness, move and motivate those with musical talents, uh, read it in bold print, we holding it down, lick a shot, hip hop, when we in your town, uh, master blast the sound, Freak the future, far from here and now, we'll stop, release, increase the peace, uh, bubble with the beat, they feeling the heat in the streets, now each one, teach one, each one, young gun on one, listen to the warrior's drum, beating up the block with the ghetto hop, the knock, and make you wanna crash the spot, and the lock explode, Boom. the alpha and the mega cold, with drum rolls and old soul, we up And foretold scores of six years ago. Fast flow from G rap to cool mode. Super syllable, major to the minimal. Every individual bounce to the temple, yo. Lungs collapsing, raps be trapped in. The only way to make it happen, jaw jabbing fast, yo. I'm the hot dog, the runner, hottest monologue install. Poetic inserts and yes, y'all. My speech is like holding two blocks of peace. The outreach that rock police. The super avenger, member tenor, for sighting adventures. Women rewrite the Emmy winner, get hype off any printer. And I came to get it, hit it. Like Operation Push, operate the touch, black. I Puss the soul, and then a terror kind of patrol, a phantom of gold, and lo and behold, it's the rubber dock, ready to rock, rock, it don't stop, hops, I knock like the lumberjack, chop, chop, the word smith, for writing block letters, a curse, a curse, for circuit, service, surface, and watch how the brother get over, the fly casting over with the frankincense odor. <laughs> Witness, then wear riches to make career bitches. Share pictures when the ears get this, your brains are soft, weird glitches. Splatter your brains, leaves scattered, remains a matter and stains. That'll explain how you was battered and slain. I get rude and go to your show and use a role. Fans to boo and throw you off till you lose your flow. A pro mean that Joe Green when I blow steam. Put your whole team of holes, they cold green. They show laughter when the flow faster. Your whole have to go after her weed from the breeze when the blow past you. I'm dapper plus ghetto and just pedal. When the dust settle, we left in the rubble and the crushed metal. Nurses with hearses, ceiling and verse with lip hearses. Spit fire, make it burst the bitch. Try me like a Sama, Odama, I'ma cause trauma and homicides when a colada can kamikaze. Came baby, walk hard to P-Jets. On streets of Brooklyn, I'm a crew of D-Sets. On streets of LA, I'm a whole E-Set. On tracks with Jurassic, I be the G-Rex. Still that Gucci dressing, still that coochie pressing. My pimp game's smooth, he gets some model use discretion. Top tens do be stressing. Fuck explaining it, who's he testing? Physical form or physical form. Leave your ass shaking like a mystical song. Please tell what type of shit was you on? Cause man, to compress a nigga means one less. A nigga. Uh-huh. All I want is my niggas over cooling slimmy. All I want is my liver all polluted with Remy. Do it with Benny, bring it, I face off. Uh-huh. Turn you out your leg like Jordan was with baseball. Yeah, yeah. Your Majesty, word flash, photography, third class, economy, blaze, slash, your artery, nerve gas, anatomy, blur, past, dramatically, herbs, hash, my worst splash, packed agility, never predictability. Maneuvers of mine, fully designed, cause I'm true to the rhyme, we do the sublime. Cracking your backbone, attacking you, whack clones, vernacular, right in exact, capital rap zone, the combat, verbal assault rifle. We fight like Stokely Carl, my Go, no, we just like you. We broke and make no telling what we might do. Ain't no joke. Provoke the right food. We first to see mercy with the king. Asiatic and Percy P. Ain't heard the worst of me. I'm to your chest. Three days with venom and burn your body like a STD. Yeah. Putting 20 on the next brother stepping to me wrong. I'm messing around and making you achieve my theme song. This might seem wrong, but this is a mean song. Crushed like King Kong and just like Ping Pong. Back and forth, I spit my all and toss. It's time to force my verbal affirmation is to always go, go off. off. When syllables slide, you'll be enjoying the vibe. When considering pride is J5. J-5. With another deadly, deadly camera action, yo, we 
heavy, aim steady, slash machete, Maserati, engine ready, good and plenty, don't be petty, count the fatty, and we get it. Off to another city, what we do, our lady pretty, we wild like Serengeti, Terra down is even steady, get ready for the ride, verbally hang glide, write and stay tied, missions inside, murderer worldwide, the stage and show night.
Incredible bongo band, bongo rock, classic track. Oh my god, amazing! Jurassic Five, A Day at the Races, and the amazing Rudolph Johnson with Time and Space. Um, the reason I played that Jurassic Five track, I hadn't heard it in a long time. <laughs> and dude, Percy P. is a monster. Crushes that track. He, he wipes the floor of everyone on that. Song. Destroys it, and he his flow is just like. A surfer surfing the wave. Do you know what I mean? His, his he's just yeah. on 
the beat and on the flow. Yeah. And murdering. There's no one that rides a track like him. Like, he has his own style. It's sick. And it's funny hearing his 80s recordings because, like, he kind of rapped a little differently and then you see the progression. Okay. And then, like, dude, the, the album that him and Mad Lib did was it, uh, Perception. So great. Fucking great record. The track with the Contra sample. Yes. I freaked out when I first heard that. And then um, Big Daddy Kane is also on that J5 yeah. track. And he sounds great, but... His line, he says, still that Gucci dressin', still that Gucci pressin'. <laughs> like, what? That's genius. Hey, man. It's fucking incredible. He's a smooth operator. He can say whatever the hell he wants. The cane. <laughs> man, it's, it's wild because Earthworms, we did a track with Percy P. Oh, shit, that's right. The, our last album. It's called uh, Midnight at the Capricorn. Yes. We have a song called... Uh, I think it's just called break or rap break. Okay. And it's kind of, we kind of designed it for him. There's no chorus. Right. It's just dudes machine gun rapping. And then I have like a scratch, uh, like, like a scratch sample break. Fuck like, yeah. To kind of break I it down. About that. And even the samples, I used like fucking 25 samples or something at the end of that song. I listened to it the other day. I was like, whoa, I forgot. Oh, about I need all to, this. I need to re-listen to that. It's nuts. And, and, but, you know, Percy, whew. I, I felt bad for the homie that I had to go after him on that song, dude. Did you guys just track him down and offer him some money? And well, then... we kept seeing him because we would play South by Southwest all the time for years. Like, mm-hmm. we were down there performing, slanging CDs. I was down there DJing. You right. know, we would make, like, demo CDs that were, like, our greatest hits, and we would pass them out. I mean, just, we just want people to hear our shit. Yeah. This is, like, before South by got real flooded, you know, where it's... It, and But still, even back then, the underground parties were better than the... The ones that had like you know all the advertising. Oh, the main it. like corporate yeah. parties. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it just became a conversation where we just kind of asked him, and I think he handed us a business card. I was just like, "Give me a call, man. Hit me up." And we we tracked him down. That's the and shit. Emailed him the track. He was familiar with Crucial, who did the beat on that song. Oh, right. And I think that helped a lot too. C- Crucial is a St. Louis Midwest oh, he's a legend. legend. Yeah, 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 man. I mean, fantastic. F- F5 Records is still out here putting out amazing hip-hop vinyl 45s everything Mm -hmm. man and crucial still has that golden era production style that just it's but his stuff doesn't get stale man he's just so good at what he's got the magic touch oh yeah and he's the nicest dude ever yeah (laughs) which uh album did soria and i direct the music video for earthworms so that was her sophomore album it's called bottle full of bourbon yes and the song's called get up yes and it was a fela cootie sample oh fuck yeah and And we shot that in 2008 in la because obama hadn't even been elected yet. no uh-uh Mm-mm. And we had a blast we were on, like, shooting Sunset the video. And... I annoyed the shit out of Soria because he showed up to the shoot so fucking hungover. <laughs> and I started asking him questions, and I had these ideas and stuff. And he was like, "Yo, dude, what? Like, what the fuck?" And I'm like, "What? What, what the fuck is us. with you?" I'm like, "We're here to work. Like, let's make that. We have. A... I'm like, dude, we have like seven hours to shoot an entire music video, right?" And we did what we could. So, and, he, he did a and great then job. when you and Steady P came to LA, we shot a music video for Sophisticated Ignorance. Yeah, love all that black video. and white. Manny yeah. is in it. Shout out to Manny. Ooh, Manny. Higgs One is in it. Heather, my homegirl Chloe. Chloe, oh my god. Yeah, and then Shay. Yes, uh, the pool scene with Shay is the yeah. highlight of the video. Shay Maria, <laughs> shout out to her as well. Oh my um, god! But yeah, that video. Still gets compliments, man. People, yeah. People love that. Um, before I forget, though, like, we didn't... We were talking about you and Steady on the road, and then 
like what is going on now? I mean, Indieground is yeah. still in full effect. We signed a couple new artists recently. Um, and yeah, me and Steady are talking about getting back on it. Uh, Steady had twins a couple years oh, ago. Yes. Shout out to Mars and Dexter. Holy shit. <laughs> These man. little dudes are hilarious. And me and Ray are finally talking about getting back on it, man. So we're going to have some stuff that hopefully is released fall or winter this year. And we're gunning for a full length album in 2019. Okay, cool. That's the goal. Killer. So hopefully it, it happens. It's just, man, me and him are so busy. Yeah. He's practically running the Kansas City hip hop scene at this point. Like yes. every national act that comes through there, Steady is responsible for that show. Like he's curating everything in the Kansas City hip hop scene right now. And he doesn't get enough credit for That's it. It's amazing. You know, I mean, even on a local level, he's putting dudes on, paying them. Yeah. It's like a lot of these kids have never gotten paid for rapping for. That's and Steady, Steady's like the, that guy. He's like the godfather him. out there. Yeah. And what what is his relationship with Tech Nine? Uh, uh, we've opened up a bunch of oh, shows yes, for Tech yes, Nine yes, and Strange okay. Music, dude. You guys fucking up, opened up for Snoop Dogg. Yeah, we did. Yeah, uh, that was 2013. Wow, because we were on tour for our last record, and so we were razor sharp. Yeah, like our set was like we we just were out on the road for like a month. I mean, that's that's a huge deal. Oh, dude, it was like you opened up for out. Snoop Dogg. Yeah, there was like two thousand, three thousand people there. You couldn't move in there. Me and him came out, and it's like all the acts before us were fucking horrible. Really? Oh god, yeah. And um, was it like Snoop's little cousin had a band uh, or dude, something? He had his or... whole family with him. They wouldn't let us in the green room because oh, he literally had like cousins. He had his uncle. Uncle came on stage. He was like <laughs> what? Sipping fucking Grand Marnier and <laughs> dancing with like some of the girls on stage and shit. What? There's a dude who is just a, wears a Snoop mascot. It's a dog mascot with corn rolls. Okay. And has like a fake 40 ounce and shit. And he's just on stage with like a fake blunt, like dancing and shit. Like, okay. But he had a full band. Oh they were God. fantastic. And me and Steady got on and just fucking like we, because like, you know, those opening slots for national acts, they give you like 25 minutes right. tops. Right. Because no one wants to sit and listen to guys they don't know. I mean, most of the time you don't, you're outside smoking a cigarette or you don't give a shit about the opening act. Yeah. Let's be honest. You know, but people were definitely paying attention to me and him. And like I said, we were still on tour. Yeah. So we were ready. <laughs> we just pulled That's... out all the guns and murdered. And people were really into our set, man. Like I, the photos of that are some of the best live show photos me and him have ever taken. Just the, we had the crowd in the pocket. That's dope. That's, That's great. Awesome. But it was hilarious because it was like, it's probably fucking early August and man in St. Louis the humidity out here is nuts oh yeah in July August especially so we're sweating our asses off man so we exit the stage we're super stoked and like even the security's like they take you outside just to kind of get you out of the way for, mm -hmm. for Snoop to get on stage oh, so we go outside me and him are just dripping with sweat like you know like pounding each other like dude you fucking killed it da 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 this stretch limo pulls up right there. This, these two bodyguards are like, yo, watch out, man. The dog's coming. And me, me and him are like, oh, Fuck. shit. Because he wasn't there. What? He's not going to sit around. He and shows watch. up like two minutes before he used to be on stage. He gets out of the car. Total stare. It, it, it sounds like a fake. It sounds like just a story you always would suspect. Like, I'm not even making this shit up. Smoke billowing out of the fucking limo. This, and he's dude hands <laughs> dude hands him a glass of liquor, then hands him this microphone that was a gold plated brass knuckle microphone. Sure, well, I sure. Think that even said dog on it well, for, yeah. for like the four fingers, and he just diamond he just, encrusted, dude. And he just walked by us and goes, "What's up, y'all?" 
and just fucking walked on stage and immediately went in the gin and juice. I love it. And it and like the crowd is going nuts, and me and Steady are just laughing. I'm like, oh shit, that just happened. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> That's another one was, for like uh, a lifetime of memories. It's it just yeah, it was great, man. That's, it was so funny. That is beautiful. <laughs> Holy shit, man! But yeah, we've gotten to do some great stuff, and I'm excited to get back in the studio with him and. You know, our last record, we did two full-blown tours for that. So we were out a lot. We released, like, five or six videos. Music, the Gonzo record? The, the Breakfast with Dr. Gonzo is the name of the album. If you Check search. that record out, you guys. Those are all on Spotify, yeah. right? Uh, okay. So Steady's name is spelled S-T-E-D-D-Y space P. Steady P Steady and DJ Moth. And uh, Breakfast with Dr. Gonzo is our, our, the last record we put out. And, man, that record really did a lot for us man fucking great it was crazy and i'm really proud of it still still holds up it's Uh, dude but even before i met steady i uh you sent me um his record what's the record that has kenneth arnold on it that's the one the first record we did with matt swicky here at suburban pro studios what's that called uh, it's called style like mine style like mine which isn't on a lot of digital outlets for some reason i gotta ask him why well you can find it on itunes i believe you guys are crafty enough to find it on the internet get that record i love that record and wild the kenneth arnold track is so fantastic and the video we made for that like you know yes and and i hadn't even met him yet and i was like this is dope shit this is legit i think you called me and just wanted to talk about that yeah i was like this is some real shit happening here and then you guys have three. How many records together? Three, four, four, four lengths, like three EPs and two mixtapes. Okay, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. So if you just search our names together, you can find most of it's it. It's all fantastic. Thanks. Man. And then we yeah. didn't even talk about uh, turntable competitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. what you won. It, which one in Kansas City? The, so, uh, so there's there's a, uh, a a competition that's sprung up over the last eight years or so. The first one was in 2010. Yeah, it's called the uh, and Red Bull puts it on. So the man, the budget on this thing, it's huge. It's become like the World Series of like party rock DJing, right? If I, if that even makes sense. Um, and at the time, they would have like 16 cities in the U.S. all compete probably 10 competitors at each competition and then if you win that you go on and you, and you battle for your region if you win that you go to the u.s finals right and if you win that you represent the united states in the world finals and in the beginning there was probably a dozen countries involved now they're up to like fucking 18 or something god damn and it's crazy and it's a big honor because like every dj's got their eye on that competition yes and the dmc competition is still huge but that's more for turntablism and you know, trick mixing and scratching and the, the you know, the performance-based style DJing, which I'm not saying, like, the Red Bull 3 style has a ton of that in it. Yeah. Because you have to. You have to have skills or they're just, you're not going to win. Right. <laughs> you, you know? Uh, but I did the first one in St. Louis and I won the 2010. I became the St. Louis champ. Okay. And eventually made it to the U.S. Finals, which was in Denver. Oh, shit, that's right. So it was the first one ever, you know, and, like, all the guys I was competing for, like, some of these dudes I was familiar with, you know, I've seen them on YouTube. Yeah. I have some of their remixes and shit. I'm just like, oh, fuck. You know, we're all buddy-buddy, but it's like, dude, you get on that stage, it's cutthroat. Oh, yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? And they, they had it at Club Beta in Denver, which is regarded as, like, in the top five 
nightclubs in the world now. Oh, no shit. The sound in there is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. It was nuts sound checking in there with nobody in there. Oh, shit. Dude, they okay. have these speaker stacks that look like robots. They look like Transformers almost, but they're speakers. Okay. And it's like, dude, I sat in the middle of the room while one of the DJs was sound checking. And like, my rib cage was like rattling inside my body. Yes. It was fucking crazy. Yes. And I got, and what was crazy is they would also have like a headliner. So all the, all the DJs will compete and do, you get 15 minutes to do three styles of music. That's right. why it's called Rebel Three Style. You have to at least incorporate three styles of music. And you're judged on crowd participation, how much, you know, they're getting into your shit, screaming mm-hmm. and yelling, hands up, dancing, whatever. Your technical skills, uh, your, your uh, like, stage presence. Okay. And then, like, overall, like, song selection and overall performance or something like that. And um, it was just, it, man, it's just, like, I've never been that nervous and excited at the same time. Right. Because, like, did you fuck up a split second of this routine that you've spent three months on? You're finished. That's, you're that's done. It. You, you're not going to win. And the judges are all, like, fucking legendary DJs. It's like Z-Trip and Jazzy Jeff and Scratch Bastard and DJ Craze and A-Track and all this shit. Right, and they're right. all just looking at you. You know, and so what was cool about ours is when you get, when all ten competitors get done playing, there's a break and the judges are deliberating and they're tallying they do have like a score sheet. Mm-hmm. And they're actually like seeing who won. And like during that time, Jazzy Jeff and Quest Love are performing together an impromptu fucking performance. Holy killing shit. it. And what was great is because you pick out of a hat on what order you go in, and I think I went third, which to me I'm like, dude, they're still like kind of sober. Like the crowds just got here. You know what I mean? Like right. you want the crowd kind of loose. They get louder throughout the night. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just the way it is. And like there's nothing you can do about it. It's fair. And like I played third, but then the pressure's off. So I was like, oh, I started drinking and fucking partying. So I got off stage and I went downstairs to drop my bag off and they have like a VIP bathroom for the performers. And I walk in there or I walk up to the bathroom. There's two giant bouncers outside the bathroom and they're like, nah, man. And the one dude, one bouncer was like, oh, dude, that dude just got done killing it on stage. Let him through. Oh, okay. And yeah. I, 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 walked, I walk in the bathroom. Quest Love is at the sink washing his hands and Jazzy Jeff is at this low row of mir- uh, urinals. And they just both catch eye contact with me. And I'm just like, oh shit, <laughs> like inside my head. And Jazzy Jeff just right. kind of like leans back and he's like, yo, your set was dope, man. Nice. <laughs> and, and like, Quest nice. like, yeah, man, I was feeling that. Da, da, da. And I'm just like, I don't even know what to say to you guys right now. This is awkward. We're in a fucking bathroom. You got your dick in your hand. <laughs> this is yeah. fucking weird. What but, a way to meet. But I was like, you guys are my heroes, man. Like, for real. Like, and they're just like, oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, we'll see you up there. No one the shook each other's hands because no, it was no, in a men's no. room. No, Very no, no, strange. No no, no, no. And I had to piss like a motherfucker because I was so nervous before that. Yeah. <laughs> I was holding it, man. Like, nah, man. But... I came in like fourth or something on okay. that one, so I didn't place, but and then I was close enough. And then I've done a couple since, came in second a few times. The one in Kansas City where you came in second, uh, I was in Hawaii for powwow right. painting, and I saw Scribe, the guy we were talking about earlier from Kansas City. We are all there to paint for like a week, and he was one of the judges in the Kansas City right. show, and he came up to me, and he's like, yo, dude, your brother like won the Kansas City one. He yeah. came in first, but we had to give him second. He's like, I didn't. I voted for him for number one. Yeah. But he's like, he got second place because he's a St. Louis guy and this was in Kansas City. I was battling all Kansas City And like, DJs. they were just not going to give a oh, St. No. Louis yeah, guy number one just out of like 
territoriality. Yeah, it was, so it was, it was fucking whack. stupid. That's when the competition started kind of getting way too political for me. It, it kind of wasn't fun at that point. Yeah. You know, because even like they have an announcer, like an MC, that anou- like has like a fucking bullet point list of like achievements that you've done as a DJ, like a paragraph that he okay. recites before. Be- while you're walking on to the, the platform, the DJ, he explains where, you know, who, what you've done, your achievements, this and that. Okay. So I'm walking out. I'm the only St. Louis DJ. I don't have home field advantage, obviously. It's fucked up. And the dude literally goes, yo, this dude has won St. Louis and gone to the U.S. finals. You're all going to let him take this shit? What? I had 3,000 people booing me before I started my fucking set. I'm just like, seriously, man? Oh, fuck. Like, imagine how that feels. And, and like, I'm like, don't let it get in your head, man. Don't let it get Holy in your head, shit. man. And I'm like, really, dude? You're going to rattle off a bio on everyone else, and that's all you're going to give me? Is you're going to fuck me before I even start? Oh, that's totally... Oh, I didn't know about that. That's man. totally fucked Not up. Not cool, Did man. you slash his tires at the oh, end Jesus of the night? <laughs> Find his car in I the parking lot? I had my whole record label beat him up. Shit, man. But yeah, like, it was uh, it was one of those things where I won the crowd over. Yeah. I got done with my 15-minute set, and the crowd was chanting my name. Yes. And I'm like, dude, okay, that's... You couldn't get a better reaction than that. Yeah, I mean, dude, like I said, Scribe was like, I, I was a judge. Your brother won. We just couldn't give it to him it was so fucked uh, up and so weird and again like you put so much you put a lot of time and getting that set down man not only just putting it together yeah but once you get it together fucking mastering it because like i don't wear headphones when i do those competitions right because it, it gets in my way and i don't want to be like pulling playing around my headphones while i'm trying to perform yeah because you got to be theatrical you got to like pump the crowd up and whatever you got to kind of be aggressive yeah and it's just like, man, like to get to that point where you can do it blind, just on your gear, not even looking at the computer. You're just in it. it like it takes a long time. Man. Oh, no shit. And to put all that effort in and like have some bullshit politics be the reason why I was I was disappointed. But whatever, man. Uh, yeah. You know, time goes on. You <laughs> you know, you move on and you're still doing it. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. And I mean, the uh, one of the last things I wanted to talk to you about was. When I was living in L.A. and Jeff Shagawat, our homie Bill Shag, was yeah. still alive. Rest, Rest in peace, peace to the dude. We fucking love you, man. I miss him a lot. Oh, dude. Yeah. One of a kind. Yeah. Um, we did a show called Soul Dressing. Right. In what year was that? Jesus. 06, 07? Or okay. 07. Yeah. Jeff somehow convinced the owner of this club in L.A. called Safari Sam's to give him a budget to throw a DJ live art party. He gets me, Adam Dumper, Crosland, Jose, a bunch of guys, badass motherfuckers to do live art. He has enough budget to fly you out from St. Louis to DJ and then also gets Cut Chemist as the headliner. And then Z-Trip shows up and winds up performing even though he wasn't on the official bill and i just i think turned 21 before that it's so to me like you guys gotta understand like z trip and cut chemist two of my biggest influences and the reasons i even bought turntables yeah so like being a bill cut chemist in la in front of like two thousand people i'm freaking the fuck out it was nuts again this is pre serato too we didn't have computers and shit yeah and like oh an expo i'm sorry a homie expo expo, from the root uh, down golden child was on there shit i'm sorry it's dominic Yes. And Nicole. Yeah. Holy shit. I forgot about that. Yeah, man. That was a great Um, lineup. So it was like Root Down was in the house, Z Trip, the Arizona Connection. It was a big, big deal. It was a big night. Yeah, man. And and like I did my set, good reaction. It was great. 
and I got the I got to play right before cut, which I was super nervous about. My dude, Golden Child is a much better DJ than me. <laughs> I hope he's not mad. Like, well, you know, and like you know, shout out to all those guys. They all had experience on me, and I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I got a rep, you know. But then at one, uh, there was a moment of the show where like. Cut and Z Trip were on stage together doing shit, and then with me. you were up there yeah. with them, and then Scotty White was on like live percussion, <sighs> bro. So the I had this set, moment of yeah. like, my little brother is on stage with these legends, and I'm old friends with Z Trip. I mean, he's oh. one of my boys from Arizona. That's old the, friends with Scotty White. Yeah. So we had this St. Louis, LA, AZ thing happening on stage, and I'm in the crowd after, done with live art, getting drunk yeah, with my crew, just point. like watching <laughs> this. It's amazing. It was fucking surreal, dude. It was dope. I was on Cloud Nine after that. Like that was like the highlight of my entire career up until that point. It's yeah. still one of them to me. You yeah. Know? But like, yeah, there's a f- one photo I have from there, and I still have like kind of like an afro during that time. Yes. Like a mini fro. Like my hair is all fucking crazy. Yeah. And I'm in the middle of Cut Kevin's and Z Trip. They're on the sides of me, dude. And I we're love all it. trading. We're doing like the can you know. The basically the assembly line scratch. Yes, shit, yes. Where it's like you get a couple, you get like a couple bars. You get like four bars each. So cut will get on. We'll go pass it over to me. I go on. Go over to Z Trip and like, yeah. Scott White's on on percussion. Uh. Everybody got on stage. So all the DJs had turns. Cut Chemist got on percussion at one point. Oh shit, dude! And yeah. I remember Z Trip's wife. I think it was like the only day off they had. Yes, and he drug her to that show. She was very unhappy. And she was on the side of the stage, just like. Fuck this! I don't want to. We be can here. say that now because they're divorced. Yeah, and he I has a say much <laughs> cooler, amazing girlfriend now. That's also yeah, his man. He's really happy. And Shout like, out God, to that, them. that dude is like my sensei almost. Yeah, you know, like I just man, I love, love that, that dude him so much. And then the other thing that happened that night is like at the end of the night, I was somewhere in the club, leaving or going towards the restroom or something, and Jeff comes out of nowhere and comes up to me and he's like dude i have five grand in cash in my pocket right now we should just skip town and go to vegas and i'm looking at him i'm fucked up i'm like are you serious dude he's you like two guys and, he, and he's like would do that that's the fucking <laughs> scary part about that and he's like no no i'm just kidding he's like this is just the money to pay cut chemist oh yeah cut chemist got five grand in cash oh, dude easily. to show up that night oh easily yeah and then afterwards... That was a local set, too, for him. Yeah. And then yeah. he didn't have to do shit, but fucking drive 20 minutes down the, the street. He brought the streets of records. That's, you know, um, and it. then after that glorious event, we all went back to 1545, where Jeff and I lived in the same building and had an after party in Jeff's apartment, where everyone was insane, playing music, smoking, drinking. We were breakdancing uh. in his living room. The cops came... <laughs> Two or three different times. Oh, God. And somehow, I mean, Jeff answered the door when the cops came with, like, a joint in his mouth. And he he literally asked him, what do you guys want? (laughs) I'm just like, dude, the balls on that man. I've never seen a dude that would do that to cops. Jersey. Doesn't give a fuck, man. Like, he did not care about the outcome. I love like it. Like, if he would have got brought out in cuffs, he probably he wouldn't have cared. No. And, th- and and he just got a written warning that didn't mean anything. And I don't know how that happened. It was, uh, that was a really, really special night. That was one of the things, like, all my memories of him. That's, we did a lot of crazy shit together, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But that event, I'm still like, how the fuck did he pull that off? 
I don't even know like how he hard work, man. Like he, he busted his ass on the promo. Oh, the poster shit. was great that you made. Like great lineup. Fucking you know. awesome, man. Man, I'll never forget it, man. I appreciate you guys even including it. Dude, it was like, man, people back home were like, what the fuck? You get oh. flown out to LA to play open up for cut chemist? What? Yeah. You know, at the time, I'm like, yeah, man. Yes. <laughs> It's the shit, man. Hey, dude. Like, yeah, I'll never forget that. And especially Jeff. Like, I got to party with him in New York and oh, fuck, all this that's right. other stuff, man. And, I, like, I, you know, every time I come into L.A. and hang out with you guys, it was yeah. always memorable. And, I know, man. It's you and I both, not to get sad, but it's like you and I both lost some homies. Yeah. Over the last yeah, yeah. years. And it's just, uh, it's not, you don't expect it to happen because we're still young. Of not. No. But it's like life shit that you can't predict things but i mean all you can do is just honor their memory and go on and make cool shit right um but yeah it's been a it's it's been an odd road an odd time without him sort of sure it's only been a year right so i'm still kind of processing it but it's like dude i had so many fucking great <laughs> hilarious memories oh, man. with that dude that it's we basically live like Four lifetimes. Yeah, you guys were of, monsters, man. I, uh, like it was. You were definitely on some Hunter Gonzo shit. We were. We became. We carried on the Gonzo legacy sure. for real. And I know you and Steady did in your way too. But like hanging out with this guy, I'm gonna do a whole other show of my podcast just <laughs> to Jeff and uh, the set list will be like the songs we. It, it will just be Paul's boutique. It'll be just Paul's and Gary Wilson, <laughs> right? Um, uh, but like. We did it. That's all I can say. Yeah, fuck yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> let's wrap this shit up. Everyone, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, my little brother, DJ Moff, for being for here. Me, STL represent. Yes, sir. You can find me on Instagram at Jim Mafood and JimMafood.com. Where do the people find you? Uh, all social media platforms. I'm just at DJ Moff. That's M-A-H-F. Yes. And I got, you can type me in on SoundCloud to hear my original mixes. You can search for me on iTunes, Spotify, all that for original music. And then, uh, yeah, just search the uh, iTunes uh, podcast app for the podcast. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Dude, thanks, brother. Dude, thanks for having me, man. Uh, thanks, you guys, for listening, and we'll talk soon. Deal. <laughs>